What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Kevo Bands Hoops Podcast, man. Back at it again today, Wednesday, September 18th. Hope all you guys are doing well, man. Sorry, um, this podcast is going to drop a little bit later in the day because today is my grandmother, my grandmother's birthday, so I went out there to visit her and see her. You know, she's older in age, so shout out to my granny. Happy birthday. But uh, yeah, man, hopefully all you guys are doing good, man. And um. Hopefully, all you guys are just putting your goals into perspective, man. For me personally, get into this real quick. You know, I'm not one of those people that says, like, I need to be rich or I need to be famous or anything like that. But, like, the main reason that I want to be rich is just to support and help the people that help me along the way. Like, so many people have gone out their way to help me and to get me to places, whether it's, like, simply going to a basketball game or going to an AAU tournament or whatever the case may be, you know, taking me to school so many people have helped me out in this journey called life, and I'm forever appreciative for them for that. And that's why I just want to give back to them eventually, not even just them, but also like the less fortunate too. So just hopefully, you know, your goals, I always tell my young bulls back home or like my younger people or even my just my little brother, always, always be humble and always remember who helped you because that goes a long way because people do not have to help you. So if somebody's helping you, they're going out their own way um for for the most part so just appreciate them for that and stuff like that always just sticks with me so hopefully you guys just count your blessings man and stay up and stay positive it's been a great week so far it's kind of crazy that it's already wednesday but let's get right into it so i got two topics today of course we're going to get into some recruiting later but first some nba news now this news it's not how should i say it's not like breaking news or anything like that but it's just like news that the world or the NBA world, the basketball world needed to hear. And it's about Joel Embiid has lost 25 pounds. Now, I don't know exactly what, how much Joel Embiid weighed. I believe he was somewhere around, I'd say just looking at him, he was probably somewhere from 250 to 275. So if he lost 25 pounds, he's probably somewhere between 225 and yeah, somewhere in that area. I'd probably say he's 225 now, but Joel Embiid, the main thing, the next step in his game was losing that weight. And when I heard this news yesterday, I literally lit up smiling because no, I am no longer a Philadelphia 76ers fan, but just being a basketball fan, you know, of, of the whole sport of basketball, just loving hoop. It was good to hear this because this dude is a natural born basketball player. He's only been playing basketball for 10 years. He's been in the league going on his fifth season. So think about that. He started playing basketball somewhere around his sophomore year of high school is when he really started to take basketball serious and when he really started playing it. And he knew he, he could probably take it somewhere. Played one year at Kansas. He was the third overall pick in the 2014 draft. Natural talent. Last year, he literally averaged 27.5 points per game, 13.6 rebounds per game, and 3.7 assists per game. And he's one of the best defensive big men in the entire league. So just put that in perspective. Now he loses 25 pounds. Before we even get into what he's going to look like with the weight being shredded, this dude was already dominant, as I just stated. But you can honestly tell that his weight was holding him back. Because, like, you can see he was he's never really been well-conditioned. Like, he, he was always short of breath. Like, being a hooper, it's one thing when, you're, when you kind of feel tired, when you got your hands on your knees. 
But when you got your hands on your knees and you're huffing and puffing like I used to see Joel Embiid do, like say when there was a stoppage in the game, like when they were at the free throw line or during a timeout, you could tell something was wrong there. And it's honestly funny because a little bit, probably a little bit over two months ago, like like a couple weeks after the official NBA season ended, when their season ended, I remember hearing him like that. His I remember hearing that his diet was terrible, like that he loves candy, he loves all the sweets, he just loves bad food, period. And don't get it twisted, there's nothing wrong with that. But I heard like he was eating like way extra, like he, he like stuff he shouldn't even be touching. Like he definitely he definitely needed to shred this weight. Like this is the best news, Joel Embiid, and and not even that, but it's just like I'm glad for him. I'm super happy for this dude because. This is gonna make not only just losing weight is a good is a good thing, especially when it's good weight being lost, but it's gonna extend his career more years for him to be able to make more money. And now that he's just lost his weight, it's so good not only for himself, but for the Sixers. Not only was he a fringe, I guess you can say last year he was the best center in the league because it used to be um, him and DeMarcus Cousins in competition. Obviously, you know, we're praying for DeMarcus Cousins to get back from his injuries. But now, honestly, I can say it's official. He's the best big man in the league. Like, literally, he was killing the entire NBA while he was not conditioned at all. He was out of shape. And you can tell that his upper body was so big and, you know, his body period paused. But, like, his knees couldn't take the weight of what he was doing. Like, I feel like his knees couldn't really carry him all the way like that. That's why he was steadily getting knee injuries or little ankle injuries here and there because his body could not hold itself up. And now that he shredded that weight, I know he, I guarantee you, he's feeling a lot better. He's probably faster. He probably just feels like a a complete different human being. And the Sixers, oh my goodness, I cannot wait to watch them. Yes, I'm no, or like I said, no, I am no longer a fan, but I've already, I've been saying they're the favorites to come out the East and I think they will come out the Eastern Conference and represent the East in the NBA Finals this upcoming year. And with that being said, it's like Joel Embiid was shredded weight and in shape and probably peak physical form, probably the best shape in he's ever been in his life, is a problem, like a big problem. Like if you already knew, like when you play the Sixers, you had to watch out for him, but now you really have to watch out for him. Like I wouldn't advise Brett Brown to do this, but now he could realistically play 48 minutes a night. Not in the regular season, but just like each playoff game. He could probably play a full 48 minutes. Because when he was playing, it was almost like, with the weight, it was almost like you were scared because he could get injured at any moment. And yes, anybody could get injured at any moment. I could literally tear my Achilles walking down the street right now. But literally watching Joel Embiid, you felt like, like I feel Sixers fans were always holding their breath. If that, I think that's the perfect way to explain it. I, I felt like they were so scared that he was going to get hurt that sometimes it was just a sigh of relief just to see him go onto the bench without, you know, grabbing his back or whatever. He's always had some weird injuries. But losing losing weight was always the key thing. That was the biggest thing for him because it's better on his body. His body, I know for a fact, his body feels so much better. It feels probably just enjoyable. And that is a big thing. And now it's going to get ugly, man. Like if you didn't think it was already ugly, it's going to get ugly. You better think twice about going to the rim and Joel Embiid is there guarding the rim. Please think twice about it. You better really work up on your pull-up jumper for a fact because he is not going to be playing around this year. Like I'm honestly super excited to see him play. And it like he said it. I don't know if I think he said it or I believe he posted a video or something. I didn't watch it, 
But I just know, I just know for a fact that he did shred the weight. And so, man, congrats to him for putting in that work throughout the offseason. Should be a big year for the Sixers. He's going to obviously be a focal point. He is their best player. And, you know, he, it seems like he wants that max contract. I believe, I don't think he's on it right now. I think he's still on his, no, I don't want to, I don't know what his contract is actually. I don't think he is on the max right now or max contract extension. Whatever the case is, he's going to be due for a max contract soon. And him trading his weight, not only does it show that he's committed to um, winning, but it just shows that he's more committed to basketball because it seemed like he didn't really care about the game. Like, not not necessarily saying that he didn't care, I guess you can say, but just saying, like, he didn't take it that serious, if you guys get what I mean. Like, he, it kind of just seemed like he was just joking, but I could tell he wasn't joking about basketball after they lost to the Raptors and, and he was crying his butt off. And there's nothing wrong with that. You, you have a passion for the game. I respect it, to be honest with you. And so now, you know, it seems like it, it, it could have been that Kawhi shot that really fueled him to get better. Because I know it's a lot of people. It had to have been a lot of people in his circle, on Twitter, on social media, period, telling him, you need to lose weight. Like, that's the next thing in your game. You have to lose weight. The next step in development and evolution for Joel Embiid is losing weight. Now with him losing weight, I'm going to say it. I will say it. He's going to be the most dominant player the NBA has seen since Shaquille O'Neal even more dominant than Giannis because he can shoot the three he's already dunking on you crazy even though he was out of shape still he already can post up with the best of them blocking shots he does that he's gonna be a force to reckon with and I mean that Sixers fans you guys should be screaming shouting having the time of y'all life because Joel Embiid I guarantee you before his career is over, he is going to bring a championship to Philadelphia as long as he stays committed. And it sounds like that's exactly what he's doing. So shout out to Joel Embiid. I cannot wait for this NBA season. This is just another story um, thing, you know, that leads us into this NBA season. It's going to be a legendary NBA season that we're approaching. So shout out to the Sixers and shout out to Joel Embiid, man. Whoever helped him with that, whatever physical trainer he was with, whatever diet, you know, planner he was with, they did a hell of a job. So. Moving on, though, let's get into some recruitment. So, Duke landed, the Blue Devils landed a very, very important player. And we'll get into that right now. So, DJ Stewart, 6'3 shooting guard from Chicago, currently goes to Whitney Young High School, the same high school that produced Jaleel Okafor, um, played on the Nike EYBL circuit for Team Mean Streets, which is one of the two um, EYBL circuit teams from Chicago, featured on the EYBL, them, and Mac Urban Fire. DJ Stewart was one of the premier and top shooting guards on the entire circuit. This year, he averaged 22.9 points per game, almost 23 points a game. All 48% from the field goal shooting, 3.5 assists per game, 5.1 rebounds per game, and 1.5 steals per game. He is very tough. He is a sharpshooter. He's pretty good at getting to the rack, even though he's kind of skinny right now. Pretty good finisher. Not a combo guard, but if you need him to play some point guard, he can. But at Duke, he's definitely going to play the two, and I'll explain that in a second. But he's just a tough competitor. Duke and Chicago have really good ties. Obviously, Jaleel Okafor is there. They've had a couple other players from come out of Chicago and go to Duke. Jabari Parker being most notably. Now, with DJ Stewart, man, this is going to be a really good pickup. With him going to Duke, and Duke was always the favorites. He, has, he had offers from Texas. Louisville, 
I believe Carolina, a couple other schools were, were involved in his recruitment, but Duke had always been the favorites. And this is the guy that last year I had never even heard of him. Like he was not even a top 100 player, I don't think. Like he just blew up this past summer, like literally took his game to an entirely different level, put the entire nation on notice. And Carolina and Duke both offered him like back-to-back days. And it, it was always said that Duke was the favorite. And today he came out, made it official that he will be heading to play for the Blue Devils in Durham in the Hall of Fame, the GOAT in college basketball, Coach K. So he will join Jeremy Roach, who was a point guard out of Virginia, um, and Jalen Johnson, who was a small forward out of Wisconsin, currently goes to IMG Academy. And... He's going to be a pure shooting guard, pure, pure shooting guard. But Duke will also be in the running for another player, 6'6 power forward out of Virginia, Henry Coleman, who is set to announce next Friday on September 27th. And it does sound like Duke are the favorites, even though I wouldn't sleep on Virginia Tech. But I do ultimately think that he ends up playing for Duke. And they're also in the running for another seven foot center who is also from Virginia. And he goes to the same school in IMG Academy as Duke commit small forward Jalen Johnson. So Duke could realistically get an entire starting five to be their 2020 recruiting class to go into Duke this upcoming season. And with DJ Stewart, going back to him a little bit, him being a shooter is one of the things that Coach K has been missing out on since Luke Kennard in 2016-17 when he played with Jason Tatum and the injured Harry Giles. Marquise Bowden was part of that class. Luke Kennard was the last sharpshooter they, that they had. And no offense to Alex O'Connell, Jack White, and even Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish could have been the sharpshooter. He had some moments like the game went over Florida State this past season, but it was a couple different things going on. I feel like his confidence was kind of messed up, one. And also I heard that he was playing on a lot of injuries, and, that, and those stories came out to be true. So that kind of messed up with Cam Reddish. But Duke has been lacking with a sharpshooter. And getting DJ Stewart... He's going to be that knockdown shooter. Even for this year's upcoming team, they still don't really have a reliable shooter like that. Like, they have kids that can shoot the ball, do not get it twisted. Like, Matthew Hurt is a pretty good shooter. Vernon Carey is a pretty good shooter. Um, honest, and that's in Wendell Moore is a pretty good shooter. But they don't, they haven't had a sharp shooter. DJ Stewart is going to be that. And he's going to end up being an NBA prospect. That's a fact. He's already an NBA prospect now. And so they needed him. Duke fans. You finally got another shooter that can just be a reliable shooter that can hit big-time shots when you need him to, and he's just good. Like, I remember watching, they played Vegas Elite. His Nike team, Mean Streets, they played Vegas Elite. Game goes down to the wire. It might have gone to overtime. I think it did go to overtime. But literally, last play of the game, DJ Stewart is on the left wing. He takes one. He's man-guarding him. He takes two dribbles. Takes two dribbles, gets to the free throw line, makes a pump fake, gets his defender way up in the air, keeps the ball, shoots it after his defender falls down from getting out the air, game time. Hits the game winner, runs off the court, celebrating. Mean Streets gets the win versus a really good Vegas Elite team. He's just a really good scorer. Like He, he can score from anywhere on the floor. But he at Duke, he's going to be a shooting guard and a, and a pure shooter because they need him to be that because they already have all their other weapons. They're going to have a good point guard. Jalen Johnson can slash and get to the rim pretty much whenever he wants to. And I think they'll end up getting Henry Coleman. He's kind of like Zion. He's not Zion with the bounce, but he has, he's just built differently. And he's an, he's an aggressive power forward. And I do ultimately think they'll end up getting Mark Williams, who's just an active, mobile, shot-blocking seven-footer. So DJ Stewart, 
congrats to him. Congrats to him and his family. Duke is a great basketball school. Duke fans out there, this is a really important commit for y'all. Trust me, he's going to be a really, really good player at Duke. So be prepared for DJ Stewart's arrival, not this year, but next year in the class of 2020, 21, and will be his first season for Duke. Now, moving on to one more recruit, and then I will get y'all out of here. Probably one of the most slept on recruits in the entire class of 2020. He's not that slept on because he is highly ranked in all the rankings, but he doesn't get enough pub. And when I mean pub, I mean like he needs a lot more pub. Like he needs way more articles written about him because he is a top prospect. But he goes by the name of Dawson Garcia. Now, Dawson Garcia is a 6'11 power forward out of Prior Lake, Minnesota. Currently goes to Prior Lake High School in Minnesota. And he played on the Adidas Gauntlet Series for D1 Minnesota. Now, D1 Minnesota, first and foremost, I want to give them a lot of love and appreciation because other than Content Magic, I'd say they probably produce the most Division One players. Like, they always have multiple Division One players coming out each year. They've had, most recently, Zeke Naji, who you'll see playing for Arizona this upcoming year. Matthew Hurt, who you'll also see playing at Duke this upcoming year. D1 Minnesota steadily is putting out players all the time. I don't know their coaching staff. I don't know none of their coaches. I haven't watched a single one of their games. I've seen some highlights over the years. But they're always producing players. So shout out to them first and foremost. So yes, he played with them where he averaged 10 points per game and 3.0 rebounds per game. But do not let those stats fool you. Dawson Garcia is the real deal. As I already stated, 6'11", power forward. He's a lefty that can shoot really, really good. He has really good form in his jumper, consistent. It goes in. He knows his mark, and he knows his spots. He knows how to pick and choose spots. He's never forced his shots. He knows the shots that are good for him. He's a really good slasher at getting to the rack, finishing with his left hand mostly, but he can finish with his right hand too. Very active when it comes to rebounding, and when he does get a rebound, he can push on the break and start off your transition offense. He is a really, really multi-dimensional Swiss Army knife type of tool and really good piece to whatever school ends up getting him. Now, I believe it was yesterday that he announced it, or it might have been yesterday or the day before that, forgive me for that, but he announced his top seven schools, and they look like this. North Carolina, Arizona, Memphis, Indiana, Kansas, Marquette, and Minnesota. Now, let's go into each school real quick. For UNC, UNC, North Carolina, currently does not have a power forward commit on their roster. They do have um, Dayron Sharp, who is a center, who currently goes to Montverde Academy. Um, he should be good, but I think North Carolina could use him. Arizona currently doesn't have, I don't think Arizona has any commitments aside from Dalen Terry, who is a really good player. He's a small forward. Um, then you got Memphis. Memphis, I have heard, is definitely in the running to land Dawson Garcia. I've heard he's developed a really good relationship with Coach Penny Hardaway and the coaching staff in Memphis. So I think it's a chance that he could end up at Memphis. But as always, we'll have to wait and see. Indiana. Currently, Indiana always gets like one top player. Archie Miller always gets a top recruit to go to Indiana every year. This year, he'll have Trace Jackson Davis. Last year, he had Romeo Langford. And so he always has a really good player on the roster. We'll see. It does sound like Dawson Garcia is interested in the Hoosiers. So we'll see. Kansas, always a blue blood school. Always going to be in the running for some top talent. Kansas is going to lose a couple players. Um, right now, I believe they don't have... I don't know who Kansas has in the class of 2020 right now, actually. Um... I don't think they have any quote-unquote top-ranked players. You guys know I don't care about rankings like that. I don't think they have anybody, honestly, right now. I think they're in the running for Kyrie Walker and probably a couple other players, but I don't think they have a power forward commitment at the moment. So Dawson Garcia could fit in at Kansas. Then you have Marquette. 
Now, Marquette is interesting because Marquette was believed to be the favorites for a long time. Coach Walsh, protege of Coach K. Um, it does sound like it might be a chance that he could end up going and playing for the Golden Eagles in Marquette. It sounds like they are the favorites. We'll see. It could be interesting for him to play in the Big East. I don't know. But I think, you know, it, it's a good chance Marquette could end up landing him. And then you have the home state team, Coach Richard Patino and the Golden Gophers in the Big Ten of Minnesota. Now, Coach Patino is going to have a problem if he keeps letting the top players in Minnesota get out. From Gary Trent Jr. to Matthew Hurt to Trey Jones, all the top players in Minnesota leave Minnesota. Coach Richard Patino, the younger Patino, has to start getting some top talent in his own state. You already have the recruiting advantage. It's time for you to capitalize. You got Jalen Suggs in the state of Minnesota, too, and you have Ch uh, Chet Hol Holmgren. You got to start landing some top kids in the state of Minnesota. So we'll see what he can do with Dawson Garcia. I don't know how interested he is in Minnesota, but it'll definitely be interesting to see. As of now, though, I do think that the three teams to watch out for Dawson Garcia's commitment that I think he will end up at is between Carolina, North Carolina, Memphis, and Marquette. Right now, the next step for Dawson Garcia is planning out his five official visits. We'll see what schools get him. But I do think the best schools that could probably get him will be Carolina, Memphis, and Marquette. I think those are the top three schools to watch out for. But as always, if you enjoyed this, please like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, share, and all those other good things. This has been another episode of the Kevo Bands Hoops Podcast. You guys have a beautiful and girls, beautiful, blessed rest of y'all day. I will talk to you guys soon. Peace. Love and blessings gone.